I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. Glory to you, O Lord. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, It is Elijah. And others said, It is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had set men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not, for Herod feared John knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. 
And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet, out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord. O Christ. I once knew a teacher who was particularly gifted at working with children. Many of the parents in the school were aware of her reputation. She was one of the most sought-after homeroom teachers in the building. Compared with other teachers who had been there for 30 years, she was relatively new. So when the school board announced cuts, she was one of the first to be let go. They called it riffing. Teachers with the least number of years on staff were the first to be riffed, regardless of merit. Parents showed up to the school board meeting in droves to speak in support of the teachers and in support of this teacher in particular. She was one of the school's greatest assets. Riffing her would not only be a loss to the school, but to the children they served. For many, it was a moment filled with frustration and helplessness. Her fate was ultimately out of their hands. The parents made their case to those who had the power, and their children would have to live with whatever decision was made. In the end, the teacher was rift along with several others. It takes courage to stand up to those who have power. When we stand up, we make ourselves vulnerable to attack. The story that I just shared carries little or no risk to the parents who stood up to the school board. But what if the school board meeting was addressing issues of gender and locker room use? Or what about leaders who are openly critical of our president's conduct in office? There is much greater risk for those who stand up in those situations. For ultimately, anyone who stands up to power makes themselves vulnerable to that power and to those who support that power. Just this morning, we witnessed one government's solution to a prophetic voice that attempted to hold Judea's leaders accountable. John the Baptist was publicly critical of the royal family. He condemned Herod's marriage to his brother's wife in no uncertain terms. The prophet's call to repent and prepare the way for the Lord amused Herod. It scandalized Herodias, Herod's new wife. And she was determined to make an example of him. Of all the powers at the royal family's command, 
The power of death was the most formidable. In the end, all it took was a rash oath and an opportunistic spouse to seal John's fate. The voice crying out in the wilderness was cut short by the executioner's sword. No grand resurrection moment, no justice for his death. John paid the ultimate price because he was faithful to the call that God placed upon him. It takes a great deal of courage to live into God's call. It also takes a great deal of vulnerability. Jesus called his twelve apostles and sent them out with nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. They were to go from town to town, staying with total strangers and repeatedly opening themselves to rejection. In other words, they were to become completely vulnerable so that their lives depended on the faith of others. This also meant that their very lives were threatened by the faithlessness of strangers. Jesus' own vulnerability led him to the cross. He was stretched out on it, helpless and alone. Ultimately, his fate was in the Father's hands. Like John, Jesus died and was buried. But unlike John, Jesus was not confined to the grave. He rose and he took his place at God's right hand, which in Jewish literature is the hand of action, the hand of salvation. The risen Christ continues to be at work in service to the frustrated, to the powerless, and to the vulnerable in the world. He's not working to make America great again, as our president suggested at the National Prayer Breakfast last week. Christ is working on behalf of all who are crushed in our national quest for greatness. He is the voice holding our leaders of all parties accountable. He is the voice sanctifying the transgender student's dignity and value. He is the voice advocating for the children who must live with the decisions, whatever decisions we make today. His vulnerability and his death saved us. His resurrection and his ascension make our new life possible. God calls you and me through baptism to a mission of vulnerability and new life. God calls us to join Christ's public voice in the world. God calls us to live into the new reality that is coming into being through the gospel. Like John, faithfulness to our calling prepares Christ's way in the world. So let us give thanks for the courageous and the vulnerable among us. In them, we truly glimpse Christ. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, 
please visit our website at www.sttimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Thank you.